Hello everyone, I'm Courtney and welcome to the Strategic Slept Podcast, liberating you from societal constructs through strategies and conversations to live life on your terms. This podcast covers all things sex, money, confidence, dating, growth, and mindset to help you consciously evolve. Every Monday, I will bring you a topic, guest, or thought to question the world around us because let's face it, we're all sluts for something or someone, so let's be strategic ones. Happy Monday, sluts. I'm so excited to be back on the mic. I'm so excited to talk about the topic today. We're going to discuss Sex of the City, but before that, I just want to quickly make a quick announcement. So I'm actually going to host my first masterclass via Zoom on Thursday evening at 7.30 p.m. If you're listening to this on Monday, uh, February 8th, then it'll be on the 11th. So if you'd like to sign up for that, you can just DM or email me your email address and I will add you to the list. We're going to talk about all the things. It's called Chase Goals, Not People. And what you'll learn from this is how to set short and long-term goals, strategies you can implement to ensure you reach these goals, how to let go of people and things that hold us back, and the small shifts that you can make within yourself to build confidence. I'm so excited. I think it's going to be such a fun time. A bunch of people have already signed up, which I am like so grateful for because it's my first one and I was really nervous to do this. So I'm super, super stoked. I cannot wait to see you all there. If you have any questions, please let me know. And as always, if you love this episode or love the podcast in general, if you want to share it on your story and tag me, and if you're listening on Apple, if you could rate it five stars on the review section, that would be amazing. I always love hearing your feedback. So as always, I'm grateful for you listening and tuning in. Now let's get into talking about sex and the city. So I know that this is going to be kind of a funny one to break down because this show is quite old in the sense that it aired the first episode in 1998, which is actually before I was born. It it premiered June 6th, 1998, and I was born July 30th, 1998. So it is kind of funny for me to be sitting here and talking about it because it is fairly old. However, it's still so relevant. And I feel like there are so many things that have shaped how we look at love, sex, dating, marriage from this show. It's really shaped um, North American culture and women, sexual liberation, and also the ideas of how men, you know, look at women and kind of playing the dating game. Of course, Carrie Bradshaw is this journalist and she's always questioning things about these topics and breaking it down and those questions are still very relevant today however the answers have so very much shifted and I want to quickly note too that this because of the time and the context it is incredibly heteronormative um there are some like gay friends in there and Samantha does hook up with a woman at some point in the show but it is very based on like straight women for white women in New York City. Uh, So there is like a level of context there that just needs to be quickly described. And if you haven't seen it before, there's no like, (laughs) if you're saying that I spoiled something, this show is so fucking old. I can't be responsible for that, okay? (laughs) But it is created by Darren Starr and it was on HBO and it was based on an adaptation of a book series. And I don't actually know how compare like, what the comparison is there. I've never read the books. I've always considered doing so and then I just, I never did. So 
either way, I've seen the TV show many times and it is still one of my favorites. I have it always playing kind of in the background. It's kind of replaced like Friends for me. When I was younger, Friends was always kind of playing in the background and now it's Sex and the City. And I've watched it twice since lockdown started last year. So that's where I'm at. But I want to quickly also preface before I get into any of my personal opinions. Um, there is an episode by Girls Gotta Eat called Fuck Carrie Bradshaw. And that episode very much shaped kind of a new perspective for me going into the show. Because when I had seen it like the first time, it was very... Um, I didn't pay attention much. And I was also like quite young. So I don't think I fully grasped all of the different elements that this show touches on and I just I have such a like different take on it now and I feel like every time I watch it I pick up like new things from it and that episode of Girls Gotta Eat podcast um just really highlighted how toxic Carrie Bradshaw was which I don't think I realized that up until kind of the last few years now that episode came out like I feel like three years ago that podcast so um I was just kind of starting my university career and like women's studies major and things like that so I definitely was quite like blind to all of those things because I also just hadn't considered it and um my passion for learning about how like modern love dating and sex is shaped by historical things kind of didn't really ignite until my second and third year of university so it's kind of just an interesting way of like how I've grown up with Sex and the City and how I've learned about it but it has definitely been a huge factor in how we look at things today. So I'm really excited to get into it. As you can see by the title, it is called Samantha Jones was the main character. And the reason for that being is that I truly believe Samantha Jones was ahead of her time. I speak on her literally my first episode of this entire podcast, 85 episodes ago. Um, she was the strategic slut. Like, she's the OG. She is the icon. I think of her every day. I try to embody her every day. She was such a bad bitch. It's no lie. Like, she's so good. And I feel like Kim Cattrall didn't get enough recognition for this performance because, my God, she was so fucking good. But I want to kind of go into each character and different takeaways. And there was this little article from actually 2020 that I pulled up that says 10 reasons why Samantha Jones would be the best friend out of the main cast. And I just want to kind of go through that because I thought it was kind of funny and hit some really good points. So um, let's get into it. So I guess let's start with Carrie Bradshaw in general. If you haven't seen it, like I said, spoiler alerts will be coming because the show started in 1998. And the last movie, I think, aired in 2010. So it's been enough time. There's no hot takes here. Um, so Carrie Bradshaw obviously is, is the main character, unfortunately. But she was the toxic one. And I think it's really interesting how we can analyze her character today. Because I think she was actually kind of what the... She was more digestible than Samantha's character at the time. And... I, reason being is that Carrie Bradshaw wanted to be empowered. She loved shoes. She was this journalist. She was fabulous. And she was this hopeless romantic in a time of real like kind of empowerment. And I put quotes on that because there were still and there still are 
such a dichotomy of what empowerment and choice looks like, especially when it comes to sex, love, and marriage. But she really wanted to do what she wanted for herself. Like if she wanted to hook up with someone and whatever was going to feel good in the time, she really preached on that. But she also wanted to find this deep love but wasn't really able to get there herself. And there's so many reasons for that. And she was incredibly manipulative and just toxic in general. So let's let's go into it. So you meet Mr. Big in the first episode. And what I think is so funny in the first episode, it just so did not age well, is Samantha and Carrie are in the bar. And Samantha show like points to Mr. Big and, you know, nudges Carrie and says, he's going to be the next Donald J. Trump. <laughs> and I mean, obviously it did not age well and it's still funny to me and it makes my entire body cringe, but it's still funny. And, you know, Samantha Jones actually tries to hit on him first and he doesn't pay her any mind. And then, you know, he's in the rest of the fucking show, the two movies, and it just never ends of this Carrie and Mr. Big. And what's so fascinating is that from the get-go, he is kind of this interesting, mysterious man. I mean, obviously, we don't find out his name for the longest time. I think the entire show it goes on for. I can't remember now, but his name's John. Um, but he was like this higher level guy in New York. So when Carrie would write about him, she used this like nickname as Mr. Big. And what is so funny is that he from the get-go has those kind of like fuck a boy characteristics, um, but she falls for it so hard and she kind of becomes the fuck boy as well. So what I think is really interesting in their first phase of the relationship is that she kind of goes psycho. Like, her communication skills were so not there um, in the sense that when, like, I remember the little moments of her wanting to leave a toothbrush or, like, a curling iron or whatever at his house. And she would just, like, lose her shit when he would do something. And he's just clueless. Like, I think it was kind of funny that he, his character was very much just, like, average guy who is so not catching on to why the woman is mad. And, you know, this is obviously in peak, like, hyper-masculinity type of phase, too, of the, like, white finance guy living in New York. So it's funny to see her lose her shit when he's just, like, so not looking into anything. Like, if she says something, he's taking it for point blank. He's not overthinking it where she is the chronic overthinker and I think the way that she reacts to him in all of these different situations is typically very explosive um could be definitely avoided through like a better way of genuinely just communicating but also she makes him out to be the bad guy and I'm not saying that he's a good guy but she's kind of just as bad and I think that her character was the main character because I think she was just enough for kind of like North America to watch you know she was this fabulous woman who was this hopeless romantic but also 
you know, quote unquote, liberated. And I think that that was something that people really grappled onto. And obviously the slow burn love story is something that we all die for in television and film because it's just entertaining. We're all here for the drama. We wouldn't watch TV if it weren't for that, you know? And of course there is a reboot coming. So that was why another reason I wanted to do this episode because I was like, oh my God, I need to talk about this. And do I think that the reboot should occur? Um, I don't know. It depends on how it's done, honestly. I will be pretty pissed off if they ruin it. Like, if it's not done well, I feel like they should have left it be. And Kim Cattrall has made it very clear. She plays Samantha Jones, for anyone who doesn't know. She will not be taking any part in the reboot, which I just feel like what's the point if she's not in it? As you can tell by the title of this episode, she is the main fucking character. So like, what the fuck are they going to do without her? Like, I don't care to check in with Carrie Bradshaw and Mr. Big. I don't care how they're doing, you know? And apparently I've heard some spoilers that they kill Mr. Big off of the reboot. Like he's dead or something, which I just think is so stupid. Like we just spent so many years watching them to see if they're going to get together or not. And then they're going to kill him like 15 years later. It's just, it's annoying to me. Um, But nonetheless, (laughs) Carrie Bradshaw, she also was a hypocrite. Like there were so many things that she expected of her partners that she did not give them. And the thing that will, I will never forgive her for is cheating on Aiden with Mr. Big. Aiden was a fucking saint. Like he was truly the man that I think a lot of people dream of. I think, you know, they had this passion and he was so thoughtful and showed up for her in every single way. And he's like this artsy guy who like makes furniture and good with his hands and has a dog. Like he just really embodied all of these different characteristics that I feel as though the women, like the four women in the cast would always describe as what they're looking for. But then once Carrie had him, she not only let him go, but also fully disrespected him. And the fact of her trust issues and all these different things and just how so fucking whiny she is. And then to go cheat on with this fuckboy man who cannot commit to her and she could hardly even commit to him, really, like, such a weird situation. And he was married at the time Mr. Big was, which is even more fucked up. And, you know, they kind of played off as, like, maybe we're meant to be together. We can't stop doing this. And I want to... I think it makes for good TV in that sense because we can maybe romanticize that situation when in reality, Carrie Bradshaw is just shitty for doing what she did and so is Mr. Big. Total trash. And I personally, with cheating, I don't think it's the end-all be-all. I don't think, you know, depending on your boundaries. But the thing that I don't like about cheating is that if you are interested in someone else, why don't you end it with the current person? Like the, the leading on and the sneaking around is what I can't get past. Um, especially the fact that, you know, you would see her go home to Aiden and kiss him on the lips after just coming home from Mr. Big's hotel room. And it just doesn't sit right, you know? Um, so that was something that still makes me so angry. Like every time that season and like those episodes roll around, I want to deck her in the face, but it's okay. It's just fiction. (laughs) 
<laughs> but it feels real. And I remember thinking to myself and how each like each character in the show, how they find out about Carrie cheating on Mr. Big. And what is notable for me is Charlotte's reaction because she's engaged to get married. And what I thought was so funny was that Charlotte makes it about herself. She's like, I'm getting married. Would you want someone to do that to me? And at my first gut reaction was like, girl, it's not about you. And then I remembered though, that this show is so much about friendship and um, a level of women empowerment that was, you know, kind of iconic for its time, that with this situation, you know, you see Carrie feel bad for cheating on, cheating with Mr. Big on his wife and how it affected her. You know, she like fell down the fucking stairs and goes to the hospital. It's a whole dramatic scene. And I think that it's an interesting thing that they showed because it, Samantha was kind of like, I'm staying out of it. Like, she was kind of like, girl, what are you doing? But like, I'm not going to judge you. It was kind of like a funny reaction. And um, Miranda's reaction didn't stand out to me at all. But Carrie knew what she was doing and she still chose to do it. And that's, I can't get behind Carrie. She's the most toxic character. So yeah, that's my breakdown on Carrie. I also feel like she was just very hypocritical with the advice she'd give to her friends versus what she would do. She sometimes was kind of a shitty friend. I mean, I think they all had their ups and downs and that is one of the more beautiful things about this show is how it really dives into uh, female friendships and as you grow older and how, you know, you can be single and just have your friends as your soulmates. You don't need a romantic partner. I think that is a beautiful message in this show. However, Carrie often chose her male partner over her friends all the time, uh, even though she would preach this, like, at least I got you guys kind of thing. I just didn't love it. Um, I think she is fabulous. I always catch myself rooting for her, even though I know exactly what fucking happens in the show. You're always, like, rooting for her, but she definitely was a dramatic main character. Like, it was a lot. And her in Sex and the City 2, the movie, I honestly wanted to snap her heels off of her. Her kissing Aiden in Abu Dhabi made me want to punch her in the face. Is is that how you say Abu Dhabi? Is that it? Girl, I had a moment there. I had to quickly Google to make sure I said that correctly. Um, But yeah, when she kisses Aiden, I just, I couldn't. Like, it was just so fucking annoying. I, the writers really knew how to make her so just nauseating. Like, she's just insufferable. Now, moving on to bigger and better things. Let's talk about Miranda. Now, I don't think Miranda gets enough credit. I feel like she was such an incredible character, and I'll explain why. She's this boss-ass lawyer who was so clear in her worth, and she... Although she went through the ups and downs of, you know, feeling single to, like, wanting a relationship to being heartbroken, all these different things, she really had, like, a level-headed perspective on everything. And I really fucking loved her for that. I feel like she had a perfect medley of having casual sex and relationships 
and she seemed to be so just like clear in what she wanted I mean in the first few seasons she like kind of leads on uh Carrie's friend I can't remember his name right now but that was kind of annoying but like she it wasn't so so shitty she kind of learned from it realized she might be an asshole and then she kind of moved on from it but I think her story was really interesting and I remember the one episode of how they're speed dating and she was telling men that she's a lawyer and how they would like kind of turn away from that and then so she lies that she's like a flight attendant or something and it's like this whole storyline of just her lying about her career because it was genuinely scaring off men and I think it is a funny thing to reflect on now because even now women in high level positions are often intimidating to a lot of men and I think we're starting to have that narrative change but it is iconic I guess to see a woman in that position in the late 90s and early 2000s and her kind of go through this debate of like am I gonna make myself smaller or do I not give a fuck? And a lot of the time she would come to the conclusion that she's not going to sacrifice who she is for a man. And I think that that is very, it was just good messages and she was a good friend and her kid was cute and they, you know, you see her become a mother and just see her like really develop throughout the entire show. Um, I really, I, I did love her. I have nothing really bad to say about her. The only thing I wish the show had done was make her a lesbian and I'll explain why. Now, I don't want to feed into any stereotypes of personas of like being lesbian, specifically with like short hair and wearing suits. Like I don't want to feed into any of those. However, I just feel as though with her being a lawyer and the fact that she was so honest and like level-headed that I feel like she, her character could have made such big waves in the, like, just society and culture with this show if she was even, like, bisexual. Just something within the queer community that maybe would have disrupted how we look at sexuality. I think she had enough kind of mm, grit to her to say like fuck you my sexuality doesn't change who I am you don't like get to look at me differently just because of the fact that I'm either lesbian or bisexual or whatever you know and I just maybe the fact that she was a lawyer was already putting enough like I don't know power into her I don't know and this is just me talking on a mic with like these hypothetical like I wonder what that would have looked like um if that were to happen. Now, Samantha does hook up with a woman and she dates a woman for like just a small little amount of time and I think that was cool. However, the reason I feel like that was almost overlooked was because Samantha was already so sexually promiscuous. You know, she was the whore, the slut of the show and I love that's why we love her but I feel like she would be the one to try out something else like you know she's always saying I'll try anything and I think that that was the kind of thing within any kind of way of looking at sexuality like it wasn't as I don't know maybe progressive just because 
she was already down for so much. And yeah, I just feel like Miranda would have really been a showstopper with that identity. But I also don't want to place that. Yeah, I don't want to place any like stereotypes on that either. I just think that the show could have really, really done something with that. Now, let's talk about Charlotte because I have some really interesting thoughts on her that I've never really heard anyone else say. So, I feel like Charlotte is the one that women relate to. I, especially for like the time frame of the show. And the reason I say this is because she was so desperate for love and marriage and children that was packaged in a way that she is relentless and resilient and brave. And I agree with both of those things. I think that she was, you know, it takes a lot of resilience to not become jaded and no matter how many times you get hurt and stuff to not be like, fuck this, I'm dying alone. But also she did put herself in situations where she was often really in that desperate category of like, literally just looking for a man and seeing him across the room at a bar and being like, I'm gonna marry him. And it was just, it was interesting because of the way that we've been fed those narratives of identity as a woman in her relationship status. And she fed into a lot of those traditional narratives. And I think that's why her character is so important in the show because she really did relate to so many women. And I mean, she embodied this like attempt to be the perfect woman and wife in the sense that she was always supportive and she ran and did Pilates and she like was all up in the arts you know she had like an art gallery she was smart but not too smart like Miranda was and she just had this like character that I think a lot of women just wanted to be and I think it's a really fascinating thing to kind of analyze because she is a sweet character but she's also very judgmental and I think that it's important to recognize this factor of her character and her uh, relations to the other women because there are many times where she is incredibly judgmental towards the other women, specifically Samantha. She slut shames Samantha multiple times throughout the show and yet is actually not, like, she was doing a lot of the same stuff in the sense, like, the first season, she's fucking a new guy every episode, which, no shame, girl, but don't be calling Samantha Jones a slut just because, you know, Samantha's also more vocal about it. I don't think that the way just because you're quiet about the things you do in private makes you any more innocent or worthy or valuable. You know, those are a lot of things that we need to break down in our society of what, who counts as a slut, you know? If no one knew, like, especially what I think is so funny about Sex in the City is that there's, like, you know, it's pre-cell phones and, like, social media. So, they're drunk at the club, making out, doing all these things. And, like, Samantha works in PR, Carrie Bradshaw is on the fucking side of a bus as, like, a journalist. Miranda's a lawyer. Charlotte's a high-level, like, art gallery girl. And yet, none of them are, like, broadly known for the men they fuck until later on the season, Samantha is. But, you know, the lack of, like, 
photos or anything where nowadays, obviously, if you're making out drunkenly with a guy in the bar, like, there's at least 15 photos of it. You're probably on Twitter getting made fun of. Like, it's such a different time. Um, But yeah, just because what you speak on vocally, specifically with your closest group of, like, girls, um, shouldn't define you as a person. And the way that Charlotte often acted towards those women was so so shameful and judgmental and I think it really spoke to a lot of women in North America watching because they resonated with that I don't want to put terms in other women's mouths but like I feel like Samantha Jones was a lot for that time and now we look at her as a fucking icon that she is so Charlotte I also feel her storyline is interesting too because she ends up with the person that she never expected to be you know she ends up with her divorce lawyer who is like shorter than she wants and he's bald and he's Jewish and there's all these different kind of I want to say like factors and almost barriers for her these blocks for her because he's not what she thought she would end up with and I think that is kind of a beautiful thing just in the sense that she is this very desperate character looking for this perfect marriage I mean she fucking married that guy Trey just because they were already about to get married but then she learns that he has a, a erectile dysfunction issue And she still marries him, even though she knows how much sex is an important part of her life and her marriage, relationship, overall well-being. And she, you know, swallows that and marries him anyways, even though she feels like it's not right. You know, she was so caught up with this image, this how she's perceived to everybody else that it really made her insecure and so worried about what other people think. And I think that that is something a lot of people can relate to. And I think that's why she was an interesting part of the cast. Now, let's get into my girl, Samantha Jones. She is my favorite. Um, That pink suit that she wears, I've been trying to find a pink suit like that my entire life. There's this one scene and she's wearing this pink suit and she's like in the streets of New York trying to hail a cab oh my god, it is the most iconic, like, look of, that I can envision of her. I mean, she's always serving looks, but that one outfit, like, I would fucking do anything for that outfit right now. It's so good, but she's just iconic, and let's get into why. Okay, so to start, I had to take a quick deep breath and a glass of water because there's a lot. I'm talking very fast. I'm very passionate about this topic. So, one of the things that really stood out to me for Samantha was how firmly she stood in her beliefs in the sense of she stood firmly behind her decision to not have kids. Like when she throws that baby shower that I don't have a baby shower to let everyone know that she's fabulous was fucking iconic. Like if you think of the early 2000s and still today how motherhood is so much attached to our value as women is very problematic and um actually to go back to girls gotta eat they actually recently did an episode um both ashley and reina discussing why they don't want to have kids and even they speak on their experience of how their family and friends have reacted to that news and it just goes to show that like that is an important topic and for them to include that in such a like you know early 2000s show was really incredible and throughout the entire series she really does make it so clear that having children is just not for her 
and she does not give in to the societal pressure. She does not see that decision as like a void in her life in any way. She literally celebrates it. And I think it's really amazing for her to be able to recognize what she wants and how she wants to live her life with no no apologizing, you know? And I, I think that that is something that I want to embody, like, you know, not following the social norm. And I mean, I don't know if I want to have kids, but if I didn't, like being able to authentically just own that. And she's just iconic for that. Oh my God, I fucking love her. And there's just so much things within her confidence. Like she took nudes of herself for herself. Um, she like talks about how she wants to like, you know, remind herself of how hot she fucking is. And she literally like, I remember she lowers whatever she's wearing and she just stands proudly taking nude photos. Like, yeah, I am that bitch. And she just had this like a level of confidence that nothing can shake because she knew who she was and didn't apologize for it. And I really do look up to that kind of character. And, you know, she goes through moments of self-doubt and questioning and feeling like maybe, maybe this isn't right and all of these things, but there's very few moments of that doubt. Most of the time she really owns what, who the fuck she is. And it's amazing. And she also broke a lot of barriers when it comes to what's slutty and like who looks like a whore kind of thing because even when she wears you know sexy clothes she defends herself in kind of what's appropriate for a woman her age to wear like there's this moment in I think it's the second movie where the store clerk like says you know are you is that appropriate for you to wear kind of thing? And she's like, I'm 50 fucking two and I will rock this dress. And I'm like, yeah, bitch, you will. And I hate the fashion industry actually for this in the way that when women kind of turn like 40, they're like dead. And I think a lot of that actually is tied into so many different things within our society. But the fashion industry is a huge part of this because the way that the kind of older woman clothes stores are shaped is made to be this like frumpy old looking patterns like took some curtains and threw it on a shirt that's apparently you know quote-unquote flattering for the average woman's body kind of thing post babies and this and that it's just not okay I think that women at all shapes and sizes and all ages should be able to look fabulous if they want to and there's a huge gap missing and I think it's starting to be closed now I think we're getting into a, a time of accountability of these clothing stores to not only extend their sizing but extend their range in general and really question like who's made for what like forever 21 I remember my aunt one time wanting this like jacket from forever 21 and I remember even thinking like aren't you too old for that and then it's like there's no age to that and it's just how we've been societally conditioned to think of how women should be dressing so that was something that Samantha Jones did so fucking well god I love her Another reason to love Samantha Jones is that she was so loud and clear about her sexual freedom. She did not take any shit when it came to this. And she was very clear on basically being satisfied. She was very clear on 
what was pleasurable and what's not. And, you know, if she would have sex with a man who couldn't get her there, she was not going to continue that. And she was so clear on being vocal about what she likes in bed with her friends, with her partners. And, you know, throughout the show, like I said, you see the other friends like Carrie, Charlotte, and Miranda making certain remarks about it of how she's just too much kind of thing. It's too loud. You can't talk about that here. And Samantha just really puts her foot down and is just like, you can't, like, why, why can't I talk about this? Why should I have to have shitty sex? You know, she really owns that shit. And she really calls out a lot of sexist double standards too um, for both the way that women engage with sex and, you know, who can have casual sex. What does that say about you? How kind of, because there's such a thing too within, I think, hookup culture and casual sex that women almost need to, not need to, but like they, they think they need to find a way where you have sex with them and then you try to make it work after to kind of justify in your brain, well, you know, I was going to try to date him, but it just didn't work out. So now having casual sex, there's no guilt there, which there shouldn't be. But, you know, the way that society has conditioned us to believe casual sex, you know, makes us dirty. Well, there you go. So Samantha very much owns these double standards and questions them and criticizes the other women for basically kind of subscribing to those narratives. There's an episode where she is confronted with sexist double standards as a working woman. She's this like high level PR girl. I don't know if she's like an executive. I can't really remember. But she is talking to a guy. I think it was like this hotel guy. Yeah, because he she dates him for a minute. And hears that he's reluctant to hiring women. And she talks about the frustration that women face in the workplace every day. You know, they can't seem too sensitive for fearing, um, or sorry, for fear of losing credibility. But if they're too stoic, they'll be deemed hard to work with or unapproachable. And either way, she is determined to land the job. She finally succeeds and she doesn't change herself in the process at all. And there's this quote by her. She says, if a woman, sorry, if a guy gets angry, he's a pistol. A woman, she's emotional. And she has so many of those quotes throughout the show of highlighting these double standards. And it's just, it's iconic. It's needed. She was ahead of her time. And I think a lot of women now watching it, despite how old you are, really gain this like different appreciation for for her than when it was first aired and she is constantly putting herself first you know she was kind of the queen of self-love in the sense that she was so loyal to her own boundaries and her own wants and needs and I think that this really shows with the, even her, you know, having, going through cancer, that was a huge part in the storyline of her character of, you know, getting, getting cancer and having to shave her head. Oh my God, when her boyfriend, the younger guy, shaves his head with her, did I cry? Yes. Do I cry every time? Yes. But even actually her dating a younger guy was so heavily criticized and she owns it and she is like unapologetic about it and she, just doesn't really care. She just knows that she 
doesn't care about being criticized by society and (laughs) when she there's this like quote she says yes I need glasses and I'm not ashamed I have a sexy young man who loves to fuck me and I'm fabulous (laughs) and I just think it's amazing I I mean there's this like revert the reverse you know these older guys can date younger girls and they can be taken care of and all these things but younger men like and older women you know that's suddenly really taboo And there's this quote here that says how it tends to reinforce the message that women need to be taken care of or that after a certain age that they aren't desirable anymore. And Jared, Jared Smith, that's what his name was. um, The fact that she's much older doesn't faze her. And she's bold in her pursuit of him. And oh my God, when she's like waiting at that restaurant and she's like making eye contact with the other woman who's trying to hit on him, it is so funny. She's like, game on, bitch. She like, you know, clinks her drink up, like cheers. And she in turn won. And in the first movie, she is still with Jared Smith and she, there's this like scene where she's sees the girls and they notice that she's gained some weight and now (laughs) weight and like stuff and diet culture are very much embedded in the show it's obviously set in the peak of certain ideals so let's move past that but um she realizes that you know maybe she's filling her voids with food and it's one of the most important decisions that she makes she stays loyal to him and uh well I think she cheated on him like sometime during the show but in the movie she's seeing this neighbor he's hot and she's just realizing she's maybe not as happy in the relationship as she needs to be and she despite her love for him she realizes that her true happiness lies within and that she just doesn't need anyone else to fulfill her and for her to make that brave decision that a lot of women are afraid to make is just truly like the epitome of why she's such a bad bitch and why she's so true to herself and knowing that it's not this idea I've been learning a lot about this recently this idea of like I don't need anyone I'm independent um and it's almost like a fear tactic in the sense of like if you've been burned so many times you get jaded and you almost like fake it till you make it with this hyper independence she doesn't take that on she's just so like about creating a life that she desires and that she's proud of that is truly incredible and she looks at that with her career her relationships her friendships her the way that she treats herself like it's just such an incredible message for women and folks everywhere and she turned the concept of like soulmates on its fucking head like she really doesn't think that it's reserved for romantic relationships she's always used it in a way that signals that the love and support offered by her female friendships in her life are the most valuable gifts of all and I think that's what something about the show that's so beautiful is seeing this and I think the way that she embodies this single like woman and going through older aging uh or older like as she ages she doesn't feel bad about being single and they go through you know how people and couples make them feel and how you know they like pity them and all these things and 
Samantha never lets that get her down. She always reminds herself that she is fucking fabulous and that I think this level of like, I know I could be in a relationship if I wanted to be, but I'm choosing not to is like the ideal, the ideal moment, you know? And she embodies this idea of making yourself happy. And that was a very pivotal message for the time that it came out. And even today, it's so important. And, but like, you know, for that to come out in the early 2000s is something that I think really has turned heads and I think has continues. I mean, here I am in 2021 thinking about how she's the baddest bitch when, you know, she, there's also just so many things like with her sexual freedom, like she tries so many different things. She's so open about masturbation and sex toys and what she wants. And there's just so many things there that like she, for someone to be at that comfort level of pleasure, you have to know that you're worthy of that. You know that you have to know that you're deserving of receiving that pleasure. And that confidence there is something that you just don't see in a lot of shows and movies with female characters. And <sighs> Samantha Jones is the icon. She often, you know, points out internalized misogyny from the very beginning of how these women around her are trying to revolve their life around a man. And she makes a very point throughout the entire show that a full life can be lived with or without and I think that that is such a beautiful message on top of that and I think it's really important to quickly just discuss right now because I'm seeing a lot of different things on social media as Valentine's Day is coming up with this sad like you know almost taking single as like an insult and it is such a it is so the opposite of an insult, you know? I think it can be sad sometimes if you're feeling lonely about being single, but there is a lot of stuff that we internalize from misogynistic ideals of women's relationship to society uh, and wrapped up in their relationship status and their worth and how their worth is tied into what they do with their bodies and or what or what you don't do. And there's just so much there that... Um, I remember, like, thinking, you know, if I'm single by the time I'm 30, like, I'll do, and we always, you know, have those dramatic things that we talk about when we were younger. Like, I remember I had a guy friend who I was like, if we're still single by, like, you know, 20, 28, we'll just get married. Like, I can't die alone kind of thing. And it's like, that is such a sad way to grow up because one, 28 is not old, and two, there, that's the idea that, like, I'm not enough on my own, that I can't make a life that's fulfilling on my own. And I just want to quickly tell anyone, you know, if you're feeling kind of shitty about being single right now, or if you're feeling the pressure, I guess, to really own why it is that you're single. And remember that you don't have to be single. Like, if you want a boyfriend and you're ready, or girlfriend, whoever you date, um, if you're ready to really get out there and date, I mean, it's hard to be in a panty to do that. But, you know, you can make that your priority if you'd like to. 
But a lot of us aren't wanting to make that our priority. But then we're feeling bad for being single? No, no, no. I think that that needs to, that idea needs to die because I, (laughs) actually, recently I had someone ask me, like, how is a girl like you single? And I'm like, I, you know, I didn't say this to the person, but I was like, excuse me? Because what annoyed me about that was it's this assumption that because I'm visually a certain type of look or I have so much going for me that, you know, why wouldn't a man want me? And it's like, no, 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 I choose this. I have chosen to put my priorities elsewhere right now. And I'm sure it isn't meant to be an insult, but it has that underlying message. And it's kind of a backhanded compliment. And I want to remind anyone listening, especially any younger women, because there are things that I wish I knew as I was growing up about dating and relationships and your worth and its relation to your relationship status, um, how much you have the capability to truly make a life that's worth living on your own. And there are so many ideals of marriage in our culture. Just if you think of like how our society has expanded and how all of the things there are very much centered around two partners and specifically heteronormative like two partners you know what the nuclear family household looks like how that applies to if you are a single mom um like let's say you have a sperm donor and you're a single mom there's no man in the photo and you sign up for your kids for schools there are certain like things there that you need a partner sign off on when this assumption that there is a partner. There's just all these things of how our society is constructed um, with those ideals. So it's very fascinating. And um, I think to be critical of that and to know that it's not an attack on your self-worth is so, so important. And to choose, you know, if you want a relationship, what kind of relationship do you want? Because that is something that Sex in the City does really highlight is kind of figuring out what you want and what you don't want. And it's done in a very <laughs> interesting way because they didn't have also social media and like women podcasts to listen to and stuff like that. They're, they were stuck in such an interesting time. And now we have opinions of all, all kinds, you know. If you're listening to Strategic Slut, you're probably somewhat in the like-minded zone of me where, you know, I I don't foresee women who are, you know, they pride themselves on like, let's say Christian or Catholic ideals about like virginity and purity. I don't think that the title strategic slut is super attracted to them, you know? And I'm not trying to shit on what they do or anything. I'm just saying that my podcast is probably not what they listen to. (laughs) And, you know, it's kind of amazing of a time to see kind of how far we've come, but also how far we still need to go because there are so many double standards that still exist of, you know, internalized misogyny within the workplace, within how women pose on social media, with how we, even with this podcast, the fact that it's called The Strategic Slut, like, so many people assume that I am just this crazy whore, which even if I was, what the fuck does it matter to you? But this idea of how, you know, what I do in the privacy of my own bedroom, but also how it, you know, either adds or takes away from my value as a person is very frustrating. And those are things that we 
need to really dive deep into society. And I think Sex and the City is a really interesting show to look at. I'm not saying that it's a tool. I think it's just an interesting one to analyze. And I actually go, I went down a very deep rabbit hole of like analyzing all different articles because I was like, oh my God, there's so much to talk about. But yeah, I just, I think that Samantha Jones is so iconic and she, even as like the actress of Kim Cattrall, like she embodies so many of Samantha Jones' ideals in the sense that she knew her worth, like walking away from Sex and the City, she could have made probably a decent amount of fucking money um, and to like, you know, make fans happy and stuff like that, but she's chosen not to and she's really owned her decision. She made this clear like 11 years ago that she wasn't wanting to return and that she wanted to do other things and I think that that bad bitch energy is just really, really phenomenal and it's something to really look up to. And I think that even in the show, you know, she is a a big personality. She dresses sexy. She doesn't hold back her personality in any way. She doesn't make herself smaller for anyone else. And I, whether you like her or resonate with her or anything like that, she is something to look to in regard of how we how we you know go through life as women and whoever you know is else is listening if you're non-conforming or whatever owning whoever the fuck you want to be and yeah I think she's so incredible and I just want to always analyze her character (laughs) Now, for real, like, how many times did I say icon in this episode? (laughs) Take a shot every time you hear your icon. She is fucking iconic. I'm not saying sorry about it. But anyways, um, I would love to know your thoughts on this episode. If you agree with me, if you don't, what you thought of certain characters. I don't know. I feel like I've just been spewing off on the mic. I really don't have notes around me. I just, like, pull up random details on Google and my other screen of, like, years and stuff so I had my my shit correct, but I really don't plan out these episodes much because I just find, I don't know, I, I love a candid conversation. I like authentic thoughts and I'm sure that there will be things that I've missed and I'll look back later and be like, fuck, I wish I brought up that up, but... I think I covered the basics of the show and the characters and why I love them and how they relate to today's modern society. So, (laughs) if you haven't watched Sex and the City, hot take, you should. It's available, at least for me, I have it through Crave and HBO on there. So, uh, I watch it literally all the time. The music in the background is kind of, like, every time I hear it, I just feel it type of way. And I feel like it's such a show to watch right now to, like, transport. Because not only does it feel like an well, it, it was another time just without social media and tech, like, the different types of technology that they had. They had these, you know, crazy big computers and shit like that. But also um, just the fact that they were drinking like Cosmos in a greasy New York bar on a Monday just is a time that we cannot relate to currently. So I really do love transporting to that era um, through my device. And yeah, it's, it's a, great show. I There's a lot of things that we can criticize about it, for sure, of course, but there are a lot of notable things. So, 
yeah, I hope you guys like this. As always, if you want to share it on your story, tag me at the not so average betch at strategic slut. Go follow me. If you want to tune into Thursday evenings masterclass on chasing goals, not people, we will embody Samantha Jones energy and identity in that. Um, then yeah, just let me know your email address and I will add you to the call. I'm super excited, super nervous because I've never done anything like it, but I, a bitch can talk forever on confidence and goal setting and all these things. So I'm very, very excited. I will have a planned actual presentation for that. So if you listen to my podcast, just know that it's much more organized than that. And yeah, thank you as always for tuning in. I cannot wait for the next couple of weeks. I have some exciting topics I want to discuss. I'm finally uh, reaching out to some exciting guests that I'm I'm being a little bit more picky on. Um, I'm doing a bit of a different process in how I vet guests. So I think that the audience will really love them. There's going to be a lot of variety. So I'm very, very stoked for the future. And yeah, I can't wait to talk to you guys next week. As always, love yourself, love others, and wash your fucking hands. I'll see you on Monday.